Thank you, Graham, and good evening, everybody. I want to show you something. I'd like you to assume that I've got on my my academic robes and um, and my colours. They're all on. This is on, and I'm like this for a while, and then. A little while later you see me and I'm like that. What has happened? Hmm? Did you hear the answer? I've graduated. I was an undergraduate when it was there and after I've been across the stage and the Chancellor has shaken my hand and so on, then I'm entitled to put it over there. That, and that shows you that I'm a graduate. I'm not. I'm telling you that because there's an important matter that I've been hedging about in my own mind for a while. I've wanted to talk about it, but I haven't until I had a yarn to Gavin this morning after church. Um, and it's the, mat- the biblical matter of adoption. And it, it's an interesting concept and uh, there's, some, there's some differing views about it. Some very honourable scholars see it as um, a means, a figurative means of describing our salvation coming to Christ. But I'd like us to just look at a few verses of scripture tonight and see the predominating view, as I understand it, and it's certainly a very satisfying view, as far as I'm concerned, about this very important matter. The word that's used by Paul at least five times in the epistles is the Greek word huiothesia. It's a combination of two Greek words, and it means placing as a son. It's having to do with a matter of status. We'll read a couple of those verses. If we could turn, please, to Romans first, Romans chapter 8, at verse 15. Romans 8, 15, and um, then verse 23. Writing to the Roman Christians, he says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom... We cry, Abba, Father. We recognise our Father. And verse 23 of that passage. Not only that, but we also have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. There's a future component to this, as well as a continuing process. It's referenced again across in Galatians chapter 4, if you'd like to turn over there. Galatians 4, the first seven verses. This is speaking of a person who is born um, into a family. I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all. This is a little boy born into a noble family. His estate, his, his heritage is secure. It's way ahead of him, but he's not, in the, he's not capable and he's not able to um, enjoy it. 
it goes on, but he's under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the Father. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Please note that expression, the adoption as sons. We have a lovely process in, in our law, not only in Australia, but very widely adopted, uh, widely available in the world today. And uh, we've got um, experience with that, haven't we, uh, Jonathan, of, of the matter of adoption, where somebody is brought into a family by the, the choice of those parents and is uh, given a status within that family that is secured by the law of the land. This is a picture, what we've been reading of now, of a young person born into the family and being dealt with and preparing him to enter the full role of a responsible son within the family. Now, there's no question in my mind anyway about the matter of how we get into the family of God all of us John chapter 3 reading to you from verse 3 this is speaking to a very um, well taught and very influential leader in the nation of Israel to um, Nicodemus and the Lord Jesus said, answered and said to him most assuredly I say to you Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The way that we come into our family, the way we come into this world, we're born into it. That is a, a work of the Spirit of God that generates life where there was no life. All of us, everyone in the room, there was a, a, an instant before which we existed and then by a miracle of God, um, conception occurs and we exist and we then proceed to birth and we were born into the families where we belong and where we are at the moment um, in, in most instances. Now here we've got the way into the family as a child but the adoptive process then takes place and this is where the, the ceremony associated with that word hueothesia becomes uh, so important. What happened to, and this was mostly in um, families of considerable standing in the community, um, when a boy was born into the family, and I apologise girls, I don't think it happened to girls, but um, the process spiritually is the same. Uh, when a, a boy was born into a family, he was, as a little child placed under tutelage. The Apostle referred to that in one of the um, readings we just had. 
And the father is involved, the mother is involved in the upbringing and training of the child, clearly. But there are teachers and tutors brought in to deal with developmental aspects of that boy to bring him to the place of real um, responsibility within the family. You can imagine the mayhem um, that would be wrecked in a family uh, a family business that was being conducted by somebody who of substance um, if a son was just allowed to run rampant oh yes i'm the i'm one of the boys of the family i can write checks on the on the family account i can do this and that in the the company wouldn't last very long the organization would would come to nothing and the process that was adopted was a very responsible and orderly process and i i used the um, likeness of a of a uh, graduation ceremony because before somebody graduates there's a great deal of preparation a great deal of work goes into it a lot of learning has to occur before that step um, is taken onto the stage to receive the congratulations of the vice chancellor or the chancellor or the governor or whoever it is um, that is handing out the degrees that evening um, and the same process was involved here. A little boy in, uh, of, from those sort of families would be in public wearing his junior toga. He would be wearing a, a garment that indicated that he was a child under tutelage. But it was a recognisable thing. Um, his name might have been... He, he would be known by the family name, but uh, nobody would go along to a boy who was wearing the junior toga and, uh, and ask him for something authoritatively to be decided concerning the family business. It just wouldn't happen. The boy is going through training year in and year out. Strengths are being identified, weaknesses are being identified, needs for additional information are being identified... And this is not only the responsibility of one person. This is another interesting thing for us as a, uh, as a church with the upbringing of children where we may be able to be of help to each, in each other's family. But that process would formally take place until the boy had reached a stage where the father was satisfied of his maturity, both in sufficient age um, and and so on, but predominantly in his personal maturity in outlook and attitude and actions to be entrusted with responsibility within that family. So all that was happening in his life through those junior years was being monitored, was being um, added to or taken away from, was being dealt with under the wisdom and guidance of a father who was overlooking the development of his son. When, he, when that stage had been reached and the boy was now um, considered capable, there would be a public ceremony that would mark that occasion. And, it and the clear indication was to the whole community that this lad was no longer a boy um, under tutelage. He was now a responsible son. And so the father would take from his son's shoulder the junior toga and he would replace it 
with that that indicated full adulthood and full responsibility. It was like giving him um, the password to, uh, to um, company accounts or something like that. It was, it was an indication that this young man was now, had met, now made the progress that his father wanted. Now, I mention it because, those, that process, because to me it explains so much of what is happening in our lives. If we turn over to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1, the first, um, or the verses from 3 to 9, um, Peter has something to say about the human condition and progress for the Lord, but I particularly wanted to read 2 Peter chapter 1 and verses 3 to 11. We'll go back to verse 2. Grace, he says, and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which we have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises. What lies ahead? We're promised. Precious promises that we, you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. The divine nature is what the Heavenly Father is wanting to convey to us more and more. But, he says at verse 5, also for this very reason, give all diligence. Now, here's where the process um, of preparation for adoption is taking place. For this very reason, give all diligence, add to your faith virtue. There's something being added by the Father, God the Father, to us. Add to your faith virtue. To virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. There's a progression being brought about here and the, the Apostle goes on, for he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, for so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. So with those thoughts in mind, let's go back now and just read again those verses, particularly Galatians chapter 4, and see how helpfully they, those thoughts explain what the Apostle is writing about here. Galatians chapter 4, um, reading those first seven verses. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he's master of all. He's in the same household. There are servants in the house. They're all doing what the father says. The child has got no more authority than one of the servants in the household. He's there. He's born. He's part of the family, but he's under tuition. Verse 2, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father. 
Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. Of course, as newborn Christians, we're under the influence and the um, social mores of our society. Verse 4, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. We've been redeemed to be brought into his family that we might receive the adoption of sons. He's brought us in so that he might exercise that blessed developmental role in our lives. And the apostle goes on and says, and because you are sons, God sent forth the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Now, I'm, I've lost a verse that I was look, wanting to share with you um, that points to the future nature, of the, uh, where it points out that the final adoption is the transition into his very presence. In other words, the, the process is a lifelong process. None of us need to think, I've finished my training, I can change my cap over from right to left, um, I'm now a graduate. We're, we continue to be children under tutelage. Our development is a work in progress, it's a continuing work, and it explains why the father allows his children to go through testings. Sometimes um, testings that we cannot see the value of. I remember, for an, as an example, when we were have, we had our second, expecting our second baby, and uh, we had a lovely word given to us um, in our normal readings about the Lord will be blessing our offspring, and we're, thank you, Lord, that's a blessing to us. And a few nights later, I was at the prayer meeting and my father came in to tell me that my wife had been taken into the hospital for a miscarriage. How can that, we can reconcile that? We can't. We don't understand all those mysteries. But we do know that God is taking us through circumstance after circumstance with purpose. The things touching our lives are ordained by the Lord for our edification. He's wanting us to be growing in grace and in the knowledge and love of our Lord Jesus. He's desiring and he's calculating things so that we will be brought under those circumstances that are needful for us to bring us into the image of his son that he's wanting to show forth in our lives. Well, there it is. I, um, it, it's not a um, well-rounded or um, properly formulated set of statements, but um, our brother encouraged me today and I felt moved in heart this afternoon to just jot down a few of those verses and uh, to share them with you tonight. They've been on my heart for a long time. We've mentioned from time to time about the process, but the application of the process, the knowledge that our loving Heavenly Father, who knows us, who sees everything about us. We don't hide a thought from him. We don't hide a word from him. We don't hide a mood change from him. He's perfectly informed about us and he's observing and he's planning 
for our development that we might grow in grace and in the knowledge of and the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle mentions that in here, in the increases in the knowledge of him. In fact, uh, Peter pulls, um, uh, takes out of this process that lovely step-by-step procedure where one um, development leads to another development and another and another. And, of course, the ultimate purpose is to prepare us for ministry in his presence where we will be God helping us um, forever and ever. Loving Father, we do want to thank you. Thank you for the miracle whereby you touch the life of a young person or an older person and bring them under conviction of sin and righteousness and judgment. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for your faithfulness and your patience with us as um, children uh, with their father. We know so well that we have been unprofitable to you. We know often that we must disappoint you. And we just thank you, Lord, that you do not give up on us, but you continue to use whatever means you choose to um, bring us into closer conformity to your dear Son. And so we give you thanks for um, indicating this process in your word by that beautiful, um, long-standing Roman custom uh, for the boys um, of of those generations. And we pray that for us in the church generation we'll be numbered amongst those who are gladly submissive to the training program that you ordain for each of us. We wait upon you, Lord. We commend each other to you. We pray that you'll help us to be able to take as from yourself that which comes from your hand and be able to praise you, circumstances notwithstanding. Lord, we thank you that you are able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. And so we pray that you will work on and on, that even we might be made those who gladly can say, Our Father, hallowed be thy name. We commit one another to you again in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, giving you our thanks. Amen. Before I say, I must read you, could I just read you one PS to all that, please? This was a a point I I came across this afternoon. Some critics say that this teaching has serious implications. It implies that upon believing, a Christian doesn't receive all the rights, privileges and responsibilities of sonship. He or she is merely a child, not yet a son. At regeneration, only initial blessings are received. A further second blessing awaits and so on. As much as to say we're categorising people, um, mature, immature and so on and so on. That is not the case. The fact is that we are all in an ongoing process. It's not, we can't say that we've, we can swap over the uh, tassel yet. We're all a work in progress in the hand of God. And it was worth noting that, um, and the, uh, the answer that is given to that is a very clear one, and it's given by people um, as influential as um, 
um, as uh, Dr Campbell Morgan and so on, whose views are those that we've um, considered tonight. Anyway, we're certainly not um, saying that some, ch- some Christians are at this category and another category or um, that there's a second blessing or a third blessing. Well, there's millions of blessings as we go along life's way, um, but we're not saying that, uh, yes, I've arrived None of us have yet arrived, but the day is coming when we will. Thank God.